let's say creating a uh, training academy is a big rock. I need my field involved in that content. I need them knowing it's a big rock, knowing it's a 90-day plan, what my deliverable date is, and how I get involved. So cascading down happens when every employee has a line of sight to that vision. They understand how they make a difference. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan, and I am back as your host for today's conversation with Nolan Consulting Group's Brian Nolan and Andrew Amrine. It's December. Hard to believe as many of us are still wondering what the heck happened to 2021. It seems like summer was just yesterday. But here we are, forward thinking into 2022 and preparing for another year ahead. For us, that means planning, drafting, debating, and more planning with our clients. Today's conversation focuses on the cascading planning process, a cycle of planning activities that we work through with our clients on an annual basis, starting with the annual yearly plan, as well as recommendations for 2022 and tips on how to get your team aboard with the sightline to the vision. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm here today joined by Brian Nolan, managing partner of Nolan Consulting Group and senior business coach, and Andrew Amrine, director of finance and senior business coach. Andrew and Brian, welcome. Good morning. Hey, good morning. It's been a little while since we've had you two on here together. It's good to see your faces. How are we feeling? We're feeling good. I, I'm actually looking at Andrew and realizing he started here when he was just a pup, and he's <laughs> and he's, he's you know he's my first employee in 2005. Uh, Somehow so I'm still here. He he's actually he's having his 16th anniversary, I think, on December mm-hmm. 5th. Wow, that's so awesome. That must get like a gift card to somewhere, right, Andrew? Maybe McDonald's. Some, something you. involved in that. McDonald's gift card yeah. to McDonald's. It's worthy of a years. worthy of McDonald's gift card. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he stood. He stood the test of time and gone through many planning processes. And really, him and I were sort of the start of the planning process. We're going to talk about now. So yeah, it, it really is the since the start is how have all these things evolved and the. The process we're going to talk about has evolved organically in each of our our members and what really works and what what really worked with each of them pulling it together into a process. Absolutely. And for anybody who has, you know, worked with us um, over the past 10, 15 plus years, you've seen that transition of that process planning happen in real life, in real time. Uh, and, you know, as it comes, we are recording this the very last day of November. And so we are knee deep in 2022 planning and likely many of you listening are as well, whether it's professionally or personally thinking about what 2022 is about to bring. Uh, but today we're going to talk about working through the cascading planning process, or as we also refer to it as the CPP. So we're going to talk about functionally how to work the CPP. Also, what is the CPP? Uh, Some things that we're seeing for next year in regards to trends and what our clients are, are planning for, and then recommendations on how to share your plan with your team, which we highly recommend. We want to cascade the plan down. 
So before we jump in, we want to get a little environmental assessment as, you know, where we're at. Taking a quick look back at 2021, what trends and results did we see this year? Brian, I'm going to start with you. Kind of give me give me your read on the year. Well, you know, uh, when I when I was prepping for this, I realized that um, my first planning job was in 1990, 31 years ago, and uh, it, it happened to be also the last time that inflation was as high as it is now. Wow. Uh, so inflation is at, at its highest mark in 31 years. Uh, through uh, The annual rate through October was 6.2%. Um, so we've seen labor shortages, supply shortages, complemented by wage increases, material price increases, incredible, incredibly high demand uh, through a changing economy bruised by COVID, beginning to value completely different things in the world. Um, And so an incredibly uh, new move towards uh, improving your home in all aspects. And uh, so in one aspect, it's, it's a contractor's market, right? But it's also an employee market. Um, Inflation is here, you know, but there's typically an inverse relationship between low interest rates and high inflation, but it's being sort of tampered down by this labor shortage and this, this uh, supply chain chain uh, situation. And our economy has never seen the likes of a pandemic and inflation. So the macroeconomics are really being reinvented and everybody's trying to figure it out in so many ways. Andrew, do you have a thought on that? You're an economist at heart. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I like watching things and I like trying to figure out the connections between things. You know, uh, there's inflation, I think, is here to stay for a while, um, certainly driven by supply shortages. So I think that's something, you know, I'm, I'm come at it from the financial standpoint. It's something we're going to have to budget for. You know, Brian, you've said it. I, I don't think the inflation is all bad. Um, I think it's good that our people in the field are, are making more money. Oh, okay. um, I'm pumped about that. I think it's long overdue that field people can see a wage increase to have a cost of living that they can buy a house. Certainly at, at the leadership level, I think the, I think what may be tough is the beginner level, trying to get beginners into the system at a wage that we can afford and then, and then really raising them up. Um, people are thinking about different career paths. Part of planning for next year is, you know, We've got craftsman track. We've got leadership track. We've got mentor track. People are, are trying to find ways to create careers for people. So, so changing the focus from um, not just productivity and bringing jobs in on time, but, but also on, on a sustainable career. So I think that's good. Um, that said, people are working more at home. Uh, when that trend finishes, I'm not sure but we're, we're riding that high. Uh, builders are benefiting from that, remodelers, um, electricians, as well as the roofers. Um, everybody's benefiting from that. Um, you know, when, when does it end? I think is a good question. Well, let, well let, yeah, let's talk about like where it goes next, right? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Knowing, knowing what we know about 2021 and where, where we're at, what we've seen happen in the last two years, 
what approach are we seeing our clients take with 2022 planning? Andrew, I'll jump to you first. Yeah. So I'm seeing good growth. You know, people are planning for 10%, 15% growth. A lot of that coming from raising prices, not necessarily more people in the field. People are focusing on the people they have and creating careers for the people they have. Um, That's an acknowledgement of the labor shortage we're in. People are moving around. They're leaving some states and moving more to other states. So some states are facing it worse than others. So across the country, it's going to be very different. Um, And I think they're planning for... um, I I see a lot of people that I work with focusing their revenue on what they do well. Let's let's do the jobs we do really well, not take too many risks, um, and focus on our people. Actually, that's a really good point because revenue can become intoxicating, right? Like, let's go after that, and then they they find out that it's not profitable at all. Um, I want to say a few things about the future here, okay? Um, first of all, raise your prices. Listen, raise your prices. Tell your salespeople, get the head trash out of them. Never has the economy uh, been so in favor of um, accepting of high prices by contractors, which will allow you to raise your wages, uh, which will allow you to keep your employees. Let's be clear, the contractors who win the labor war will win, will grow. This is about the labor war now. Um, one, one quick story, if I could. So what does that mean? Winning, winning the labor war first starts with you pay them well, but then you learn how to retain them. I was at a planning retreat last week with two dudes painting, and we had this sort of epiphany of sorts. Two dudes painting, to know them, has one of the best sort of macro cultures, uh, brands in the area. It's awesome. But when you think about what it feels like to work at Two Dudes, it's not about the macro culture. It's about the teams. It's about the microculture of the teams. It's about how someone feels when they go to work with two or three people at a house or building. So their whole focus next year is going to be about how to be how teams behave well to re-engage people. And so it's about the teams next year. They should talk to the Webfoot guys out in Bend, Oregon, who focused a lot this year on culture and about small team, t- small teams working together. Uh, I mean, it's people are, are, are focusing on that now. And so you don't want to be left behind in, in not caring about the, how people feel when they come to work. Nolan Painting lost several employees this year, like a lot of companies to wage. And uh, but several came back because the grass is not greener and it's how you're treated at work. Mm -hmm. Ultimately paid fairly, but treated at work. Someone at work cares for me. So we're recommending to, to clients, you know, as they think about their 2022 planning to be raising their prices, to be treating their employees well, showing your, you know, which were things that we've talked about in the past, but we're really, I feel like pushing it even more so this year, raising, raising your, your rates for your, for your employees to show them solid career paths that this, there's opportunity here. Yeah. Your last point uh, here uh, on this topic, there is so much money in the economy right now from the uh, stimulus packages, from unemployment that I don't see demand going down in the next year. Uh, 
a projection show continued growth actually through 2026. Now, the Omicron virus, not, not sort of withstanding here, that could throw a bomb much like COVID did two year and a half ago. So still some unknowns. Always be on your toes and be ready to adapt. All right. So it's a, it's been an interesting last year. It's going to be interesting going forward, but what we always say is control the controllables and what we can control is our planning process. So let's move into talking about the cascading planning process and to kind of give us a a tee up as to what that actually is. Brian, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to you. What is the CPP? Yeah, I'll I'll start this and then I'll, I'll let Andrew get into the details uh, because Andrew has helped to create a lot of those details. Um, you know, it, um, when I first started planning 31 years ago, it, I called it the CPP, but it was continuous planning process because we wanted the CPP to be a core process, a core function. Core functions are repeatable all, all the time. It's not just once a year. Um, we called it cascading because all of us felt like many small business owners weren't cascading it down to the people in, in the field. They didn't understand the vision and how it impacted them. So what is CPP? It's every month there are planning activities in a cycle, starting with the strategic in October, November, uh, and then cascading down to um, individual development plans, one-on-one meetings, certainly 90-day plans, um, the budget, which Angie's going to discuss. Um, This year, particularly, I'm, I'm suggesting that people start with their primary aim. The primary aim of a business owner is how they see their life functioning three to five years out. They pick a day, they describe that day in in finite detail when their life is working for them, when their business is serving them. Um, So it it is a ongoing process. But Andrew, talk to us about what you're calling the CPP essentials. Sure. So there's a lot of things happening at the same time here. And so right now we're, we're picking up with annual planning. And so if, if we're going to have a plan, then it's got to be written down. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a plan until it's written, right? It's just a dream. So we need some forms to help guide people. The CPP essentials are the things that we've seen be most effective with teams in sticking to this routine. So one, one of the names we thought about was the cascading planning routine, but that was CPR. And we, we don't want to sit, tell people they needed CPR. So CPP. Or maybe, maybe you process. do CPR to bring your business back to life. Keep your business living. If, if it's, if it's, if it's uh <laughs> need CPR, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the cascading planning process is that ru- routine of meetings that you're having. And so what are the documents or the information that are going to guide you? And so that's what we call the essentials. So there's a one-page business plan. It's a summary of all the things that are fairly static in your business. What is your core purpose? What are your company values? What customers are you serving? All the way down to the things that change annually. So what are your big rocks? What are your revenue goals? What are the KPIs you're going to track? One thing that we like, uh, we took from... um, the book Scaling Up, which was an annual theme, come up with an annual theme for your team. It's really fun and meaningful, uh, a rally cry for the year. What is the, what is the major focus for the year? 
those are that's the annual plan. Summarize it on a plan for your team. The next step is now distill it down to what are we actually going to do the next 90 days? So right now people are starting to put together their first quarter 90 day plans. So in the months of January, February, March, what is it actually that's going to get done? Let's break the elephant down into chewable pieces. As I've heard Connell say over and over again, he probably got that from you, Brian, the uh, chewing the elephant one piece at a time. And then we can't just go quarter to quarter and not meet. We need to get together and check progress. So those are your weekly or biweekly OTB huddles where you're reviewing um, progress towards your 90-day plan. I will say, and I, I do encounter some confusion on this, in between the quarterly meetings, the job is not to rehash the 90-day plan. We already made the 90-day plan. The job is to say two questions. What progress have we made and what's the next step? We're not rehashing the entire plan. We're simply checking progress made on a weekly or biweekly basis with your team. So when thinking about all these different planning activities, you know, every team is different. We have a variety of teams that we work with. How, what are the different approaches that teams can be taking from who's involved, what the focus is going to be? I mean, from kind of small to mid-sized to large, we want to give people some tangible things to think about of how, you know, looking at their business, how they can make the CPP come alive. So starting kind of from us, from smaller businesses, Andrew, how, what's the approach here? Sure. So I, I think really um, think of this developmentally, you know, you, you can't be overly utilitarian about the planning process because your team isn't going to be in the same place you're at all the time. So it, it's going to take some discussion. Um, smaller companies focus on getting other people involved in the process. We see a lot of people doing team SWAT meetings, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Get together with your team. You know, cover your belly button, Brian likes to say. Uh, you're going to have to hear things maybe that you don't want to hear. In fact, some of the things may make you think, how can you possibly say that after all I do for you? How can you possibly say that? <laughs> no. Sounds like it sounds like some radical candor when the uh, asking for criticism. Great book, radical candor. Mm -hmm. um, so get your team involved. Um, people can't think until they have all the information they need in order to do the thinking. So include them, share the information with them. Even though they may not might not be making great contributions, they they are helping you think through things. And I have yet to have any business regret uh, having a team SWAT together. Um, okay. I'm so moving, moving on to, to kind of midsize. So mm -hmm. where you have either the beginning or intermediate stages of a management team hap, you know, in place, how are we involving them? Yeah. So this is, if you've done the work, if you've developed the team, now the team is coming together. You're, you have um, maybe a couple of managers uh, that are, you've delegated things. So the, the mark of a mid-sized business is you, you have other leaders in place. You, you've delegated. Now those people are setting aside, let's say their day-to-day -day loyalties and they're coming together for the company as a whole. What's, what's the best thing for the company as a whole? Um, how do we do that? I get this question a lot. Okay, Andrew. So I, we have these topics. We know what we want to talk about and it goes nowhere. So 
working through what, what we've, what I've sort of worked on with other people, I call it 3D discussions. The three Ds are define the issue, debate the alternatives, and decide on a next step. So first define the issue. You'd be shocked how many, how many times we're talking about the same things, but what we're getting at are two different things. People are thinking of two different problems in their mind. And so be clear on exactly what it is, what uh, issue it is we're defining here. In addition, in addition, in that, be careful not to make the scope too big. So they, so, so it's defined, but the next thing you know that the discussion has just spiraled into something much, much bigger. You're right. You, now one topic becomes three topics. Let's split these topics apart and, and talk about them in a reasonable way. So now debating, debate the issues. And, you know, I, I discussion just isn't the right word. It's a debate. It needs to be a healthy debate. People need to be free to say what they think and also free to accept commitment, not consensus. We're not looking for consensus here, but they need to be free to share what they're thinking, their opinions on the issue, debate all the alternative, get as many alternatives on the table as you can. And then the last step is decide. Now, here's the thing. The reality of planning is that you, you might not, you might not be able to solve the problem in the midst of discussion. And the fact is we, we do have other things we have to do today. So we have 15 minutes to talk about this. So don't necessarily look to solve, look for a, a next step to take. Do we need to talk about this more? What are, what are one or two things we can do between now and the next time we get together to get clarity on this? So simply decide a next step. And that helps you stick to your time frame. Ryan, something to yeah, add here. So that, let's, let's sort of bring this from the mid-sized company into the larger company. I don't know where that number is, Andrew, but somewhere between two and a half and three million you start to become a larger small business, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the point where you really have lots of, you've, you've leadership in place and probably the owner is most out of the day-to-day. -day. Well, it may be when you get to like five, six, seven million, they start, that starts yeah. happening, right? When, when you get to this uh, uh, two and $3 million level, you're, as an owner or as a leader, your primary responsibility is to grow the management team grow the management team to make the CPP wheel turn. And this is like, this is where scalability happens. I've seen this so many times. Now you've got to focus on a management team, not a team of managers, right? The team understands we are here for the vision and, and the mission of our business. Get really good at defining who the decision maker is before you do this 3D stuff, right? Because everybody thinks they're the you know, decision maker. And once we did that in Nolan Consulting, it sort of helped our discussions a whole lot. And as a leader, you want to push down decision making. You want people to have um, authority. There's a term that uh, Jared Bias uses all, all the time. Responsibility without authority leads to disengagement. So your job is to push down decision making. And then your job is to promote debate and not, not get your face all in a tizzy when someone disagrees with you as an owner, is you need to be stoic and listen and shake your head intentionally so people feel free to give input. 
I don't I don't know what that's like at all. You've never. I've never done that. I've, I've only I've seen never. Andrew's face contort. Oh, a thousand times when <laughs> and I are in one of our epic uh, uh, debates, um, which I think we've learned to recover faster from from the intensity of the debates, which are often pretty intense. But what I do know about the mad scientist, Andrew, is that when he when he does get intense in debates, he's doing so for the purpose of the business, not about him. It's about what he truly believes is the best direction for the business. And he just needs to learn not to be so intense. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, I will say the irony of it all, and I've, and I've had to learn this, my own background, and, and I, I think other people maybe in the audience identify with this, my, you know, the influences I had growing up, but in the sharing, it's easier than to accept not my choice getting picked. We all had the debate. We shared, we shared openly. Maybe we, we could have shared it a little nicer, but now, now we, we get to have consensus and everybody's ideas are on the table. And so that actually makes it, it easier. It's, yeah. the, it's the paradox, I think, of debate. that Decision-making in general yeah. needs work in most companies that I work with. So remember, consensus is not the best decision-making model at all. Consultative decision-making is, or participatory I make no decisions without getting input from my team. Also, the leader does not own all decisions. Now they could, but that'd be silly because they want to grow people to begin making decisions. So let people make them. And even if it's a mistake, uh, they, will, they will learn forward from that. So Brian, in, in, in kind of, and Andrew, in setting up you know, what these larger, you know, larger small businesses, the, the environment as to which these planning processes should be happening, the um, kind of, you know, the, the ground rules have been set. We know, we know how people should be engaging with, with each other. When it comes to that yearly planning, how are we recommending that the CPP process happens when we're, we're teeing up what's to come? You know, some for some it's a you know it's a half a day. For some it's a full day. For some it's more than that. So, what are you seeing? What kind of uh, planning are you leading? Well, you know, um, timing is great for this question. I'm I'm about to head west uh, for a whole series of planning retreats with uh, a larger summit members, and uh, got a very clear format um, that we do. All the teams have done a SWAT beforehand, so we can understand. Um, what the most important planning discussion items are, PDIs, uh, that, that we're going to use this 3D model for, right? So, um, and then uh, in, in a preparation, um, these teams are actually going on and multi-voting uh, which PDIs are most important. So they're applying a weight to like, hey, I need this topic discussed in the management meeting. It's really important. Um, and so uh, most of my sessions are two days long, but only eight until two o'clock because nothing good happens after two o'clock a.m. or p.m. Uh, just the energy and the sugar dies. And then we do an activity as a group between two and five to just, you know, something fun, usually a hike, for instance, or bowling. Uh, and then we'll meet back at, at 530 for a debrief cocktail hour. Um, and then we'll go the next day. Uh, again, from eight until two um, with 
three to five, usually eight PDIs are covered over this, these two days um, with you know, 45 minutes or so in this 3D format, Andrew talked about. Um, we also, we, we hit the vision early on day one, the owner CEO brings that, we hit the organizational structure uh, early on, we hit the financial budget early on, which Andrew will get into here uh, shortly. And then we get into the PDIs, which then ultimately form the big rocks, which become next year's focus. So there's a lot of, you know, those two days are really critical, but there's a lot of work that goes in before those, those two days, a lot of pre-work to make sure everyone is prepared to show up and on the same page from the SWAT, from, you know, creating the vision, understanding primary aims. It's the meetings are happening before the actual meeting. Totally. Uh, it's like any good meeting. I, you need to see it before it happens. And you need- We actually people. just had a meeting yesterday a meeting for the meeting to plan what are the items we're going to talk about at the meeting. It was extremely helpful. In the NCG planning process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are we spending our time, our valuable time talking about the right items? Right. Because if you're asking people to, to leave their, their regular, you know, work day for two days, just to focus on the business, you better spend that time wisely uh, and make it effective. Totally. And what's that desired outcome? You know, after those two days spent together, really what defines that being a successful planning session? I'll let Andrew or Brian take this. Well, I think, yeah, I think for, um, I think for uh, small businesses and big businesses, there's two things happening at the same time. You're, you're doing the plan. So you have this point where, okay, we've had this discussion. We've decided on some goals for next year. Now we need to monetize it. So we need to make a budget. For small businesses, that retreat might be a series of three meetings as opposed to an all-day retreat somewhere. So that same agenda for smaller companies, you can break it up into the team SWAT. Then you have your planning discussion items and your 3D discussion. Then you make a budget. We've we got to say, okay, we've, we've done these planning items. Can we make money at it? We're, we're going to add people on the management team. We're going to hire people. Let's plug them in. How much revenue do we need to do? Or how do we do we need to increase our gross profit in order to hire some more field oversight, some, some more field management? What are those profit expectations going to be? There's a lot of running around between departments. I like to tell people, delegate, especially the accounting managers, delegate as much as you can. Have the sales team come up with their sales goals. Have the operations team come up with a capability plan. Make a whole map for the entire year of the people you currently have in the field and when is your next crew leader needed. So by April, we need two more supervisors or foremen. Let's make that plan, list that in all out, and then the accounting managers put it together in the budget. So you're, you're seeing a visual map and, and for Brian, what, what, as you think about these next couple of meetings that you have and you leave one and go to the next, what makes that successful? What, what, what feels good to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done this wrong many times. Right. So you begin to know what right looks like when you've done it wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, I usually leave a room of wallpaper with a uh, flip chart paper um, and what I'm looking for first is what's the major theme next year? What's the one main thing? Andrew talked about that in the 
one-page CPP summary. Number two, I want to know the three to five big rocks. What are the big rocks that if we get anything done, these are the things that we, we get done. I want to know what winning looks like, what done looks like. This is a mistake we've all made. Everybody has their own interpretation of what done. Rocks have a start and they have an end. I want to know who the owner is of each rock. And typically then there's a follow-up meeting afterwards where mm -hmm. the 90-day plan for the first quarters are created uh, and the action items are very well detailed out with um, who does what by when. This is all the deliberate approach to the vision. This is, this is what has the lot of sight. I also want to know how it's going to cascade down, which we'll get to at the end to the rest of the company. So with like that budget, so that wrap up meeting, sorry, real, real quick, just yeah, with that wrap it. up meeting, all the running around that people have done making a budget and putting a first draft budget together, that follow up meeting, now you're bringing it all together to make now the detailed plan. And I, I would echo what Brian said, please do not, do not, do not say, okay, guys and gals, I'll put the 90 day plan together and send it out. Do not do that. Sit there together and make the 90-day plan with each other right then and there so that everybody's on the same page. Because three days later, everybody's going to be on different pages. I thought mm -hmm. we were talking about this, and I thought we were talking about that. This isn't right. This isn't what I pictured. Do it there together. Take the time to do it together so that that final follow-up meeting, hopefully um, timing-wise, it, it would be December 15th-ish hopefully something like that, that we now have, we've made the plans together and everybody's on the same page. And the beauty of the CPP when done correctly is that there are now, there are routine planning meetings that are going to be coming and happening in the, in the, in the coming months that you're going to be discussing and acting upon and, and updating where you stand with those big rocks. Where are we against the goals? Are we actually living the theme? Are we on the track for winning? If you just do this once and then you let the CPP kind of fall by the wayside, you're not, you're going to, you're going to lose engagement. You're going to, you're going to completely right. go off track of the, of the plan for a year. Well, something and Kevin says all the time is don't let perfect get in the way of done. And so remember, this is a routine. You will come back to it. It does not have to be perfect. You're going to have quarterly meetings. You're going to meet with each other weekly or biweekly to check progress. It does not have to be perfect. Done is better than perfect. Just stay on the track. Now, when we think about the budgeting component of this, which is a major part of the CPP and also helps us understand and fill out that CPP summary as what does winning look like? What's the revenue goal? I want to just dive into budgeting a little bit and I'll, I'll flip to Andrew for this. Andrew, what are the different approaches to the budgeting process uh, that we see our clients doing? Yeah, I don't want to overthink this too much. I think two main things, ways to get started. I think you can start with sales. If you feel like really the opportunity is selling, then let's start with sales goals. If you feel like maybe where we're at now, that the biggest challenge is, is getting people uh, in the field. So let's start with a revenue plan. How many people uh, do we think we can, we can get and how much revenue will that produce? Third would be starting with overhead. Maybe your focus is on adding some management. You want to add a management role. Many people over the last couple of years, I've helped hire operations managers. It's been a big win. Um, 
they started with what's our, what's our overhead and then back into how much revenue I need to cover that. So it depends on where your goals are. Those three things, sales, revenue, overhead. Second, last, I would say, you know, Brad, we probably agree on this. We got to have, there's got to be a plan A, plan B, if not a plan C <laughs> this year um, for 2022. Um, absolutely include, I wrote myself a note here. I have to bring up reserves. Absolutely plan for reserves this year. Bolster your reserves, at least two months of overhead in a bank account that's sitting there that no one touches. Um, plan A, plan B, plan C. I, I think this is the year for it. I think the plan B budget this year is more important than any year. I mean, I'm here in the last day or two, uh, you know, we're trying to avoid another shutdown here, trying to avoid another, another shutdown. And the, this new variant is, is unpredictable. And uh, so many of your balance sheets have been bolstered by the PPP that was received last year. Um, let's not waste that away. Uh, let's get ready to adjust um, uh, our, our cost. And in, in the meantime, as I said earlier, raise your prices to get as much uh, revenue as you can. Um, I, I do want to hit, Mile, this area of, you know, budgeting is really important when it starts talking about uh, predictability. Uh, one of my greatest passions in budgeting is predictability. Uh, I have the ability to use the past to now predict the future. And um, I see, I can look ahead a month or two and pretty well know what my revenue is going to be and my bottom line is going to be. That is a great place to be. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to that in budgeting and really using the budget, um, using the production forecaster, um, understanding revenue per hour consistency, understanding productivity, productivity budgeted hours divided by actual hours, and really dialing that in. Once you dial these few things in, you start becoming predictable. And as a business owner, man, that's great because one of my earlier CEOs said, Brian, I could take good news. I could take bad news. I can't take surprises. I hate surprises. Belly punches stink. Predictability helps you sleep better at night mm, when, you're, when you're knowing what's coming. If I, if I have bad news um, and I see it ahead, I'm planning. I'm adjusting, right? I'm right. In, into my plan B budget. But if I'm surprised, then I'm like, whoa, I'm a deer in headlights. I'm trying to figure out what do I do? I would actually throw out a, a challenge to our listeners that a goal, if, if you're not able to do it now, then a goal for next year is on the first of the month, know what the last day of the month is going to look like. See oh. the month before it's going to happen and put the systems in place to be able to look through the windshield. We spend a lot of time looking at the rear view mirror. We spend a lot of time looking at the dashboard, but the dashboard is right in front of my face look through the windshield out onto the hood. And everybody knows if, if you're just looking 10 feet in front of your car, right, you're, you're going to go off the road. You have to be looking farther out down the road in order to stay on the road. It's one of the first lessons in driving, right? You got to look farther out. And so put the systems in place to be able to at least one month that on the first of the month, 
I already know how this month is going to turn out. It's a good challenge. I like when we can give our listeners challenges. I've been challenged before on this podcast. All right. So let's pull it all together. We've talked about the, the planning process, how we, you know, from different sizes of teams, how we recommend approaching it. We, we touched a little bit on the budgeting and how that kind of wraps in. When and how are we cascading the finalized plan for the year to come to the rest of the team? What is the best approach to this that we recommend? Brian, I'll start with you or Andrew. Andrew, you take this one. Let's see how the student has become the teacher. <laughs> so I think cascading the plan down, I think now that you've, you've done either your planning retreat, you've made your budget, you've come together, you've made the plan. Now you are, a lot of people I see having large company meetings and handing out that plan. Some people actually do hand out the, the CPP summary, the one page business plan to their team. Um, part of cascading it down, I think now it, it comes to individual development plans. Now that I have a plan and that plan's in place, I can now work it down to the individual so that we call these IDPs, individual development plans. So company meeting to roll out the goals, um, having one-on-ones with your people to make sure they see the pathway. How is it my role connects to this vision? That's part of the IDP. Um, doing IDPs with your managers and then having the managers do IDPs with their people is a way of, of cascading it down. Um, the main, uh, I'll go a little bit further. I see, yeah. I'll go further if I could and say that the 90-day plan now has to have ownership at various levels. So I want, I want the 90-day plan to be mm -hmm. shared with as many people as possible. And I want other employees involved in completing those action items. Let's say creating a, a training academy is a big rock. And a 90-day plan is to have this training academy up and going by March 31st to really hit this spring rush. So we're going to develop the content for our training. I need my field involved in that content. I need them talking about uh, the training standards and procedures. I need them knowing it's a big rock, knowing it's a 90-day plan, what my deliverable date is, and how I get involved. So cascading down happens when every employee has a line of sight to that vision. They understand how they make a difference. That's engagement in these overall successful vision. Yeah, just to dovetail that, I, I would say going back to something I said earlier is that people leave the meeting too soon. They say, okay, I'll, I'll put the notes together and email it out. And that's too soon. Sit there together and get really good at assigning the owner. What is, ask this question between now and the next time we get together, what is it that's going to get done? What are the to do's and who owns them? I mean, sharing those things, that's a level of transparency. You know, the 90-day plan, sharing that 90-day plan is, is you being transparent as to what is the intentions and the vision of the company in the next three months. Yeah, sharing then, then uh, I, want, I want dashboards around the office. I want people to know um, the results, how we're doing, what our goals are. Um, I want visuals for things like the war on winter. So- Winter's coming, 
how is everybody getting involved in filling up the January, February, March buckets? Uh, let this is this is a team sport, guys. We we this is not transactional. You just go out and do this. This is a team sport. Let's win as a team, and uh, so let's be transparent mm-hmm. in what we want to accomplish, the results against those goals, and then how we're going to fix it when it goes off course. And it will go off course, but we're going to have we're going to have because it's predictably going to go off course. We're going to have plans ready to get it back on course. I think transparency is a good word. You know, I think it's worth noting. We, we do get pushback on open book and I've, I've stopped using that phrase because it, it isn't necessarily accurate. The point here is that, I, and I get pushback on how much should I share? I'm not ready to share that. My team isn't ready to see these things. They're all going to freak out. There's, and maybe there are, maybe there's some skeletons in the closet that need to be dealt with. But the point is, is be pushing the envelope on what you share. Always be sharing, trying to share more and more because the more you share, the better team you have and the more connected team you have. So wherever you are, share one thing more and then one thing more and keep going until your team is seeing everything they need to see to win. And you would say encourage questions. If people aren't aware or aren't sure or Oh, you know, how you got there, why this is happening or need some understanding of how the numbers work encourage the questions because that only helps your team's development, right? That's right. Yep. <clears throat> I always wonder I, as an owner and a leader, how far down uh, things trickle, how far down in, information gets. And so uh, this is really important when you leave your meeting at the end of your planning cycle is how you're going to verify that um the communication is getting cascaded down in the right way, uh, in, in, in the right amount, with the degree of energy and enthusiasm that you desire. That is the goal. And for the month of December with Brian, your planning retreats and our own NCG you know, planning meeting happening in the next few weeks, we are practicing what we preach here. Um, and as a small business, we are, we are doing the same processes following the CPP ourselves. And if you have any questions out there about the CPP or budgeting, we always encourage you to reach out to our, our team of coaches. You can send us an email at info at nolancg.com. We will be happy to help. Brian and Andrew, any last words as we, we wrap up? The, the... I do, actually. Please. I do. Um, one thing we didn't mention is who owns the CPP uh, as Ooh. a core function, right? And so um, it's not best that the owner or the CEO own the CPP process because it's not what they do well. If you read Rocket Fuel, you understand that you're probably the visionary so you really want an integrator to own the CPP to make sure it happens. We've only gotten good at it as a company for the last few years because Catherine owns the CPP process. She makes sure there's an agenda. She keeps us on, on track. She plays referee when Andrew and I fight, <laughs> those kind of things. Everyone needs a good referee. I would, I would just say, end with uh, two things. I think um, great things are done by teams, not individuals. That's Steve Jobs, right? And people want more from work than just work. So let them participate in the process. Give them a pathway to participate 
in the process and be okay with things not being maybe precisely the way you would do it, but now other people are doing it, which is great. Great last words to leave us off off with. Andrew and Brian, thank you so much. Until next time, everyone go make sure you're doing your budgeting and your planning for 2022. We, uh, we hope for a successful 22 for all. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. All the best, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.